You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, it's Jesus who said this. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It was Jesus who said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. It was Jesus who said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And Jesus said this then, right after that, he says, no servant is greater than his master. Here's the truth then for today. Let's bottom line it again. If I am called to truly follow Jesus Christ, ready? Then I am called to give of self. If I am called to truly follow Jesus Christ, then I am also called to a pattern of life that is reflecting the sacrifice of self for the glory of God. Isn't it so interesting that one of the essential characteristics of following Christ is self-sacrifice? In fact, you could say the most dominant characteristic of someone truly following Christ is that they become less that Christ and others might become more. If there's one single virtue or characteristic from Christ's life that exemplified his life and ministry, it was the pouring out of self for the betterment of others. And if we are called to follow Jesus Christ, then we are called, without a doubt, to give of self. So one of the ways that we can phrase it, and we're going to use this phrase a lot through this message right now, is this. To live for Christ is to give for Christ. Do you truly live for Him? Then you must give for Him. I want you to put that in your spiritual pocket right now. You say, I follow Christ. If you follow Christ, you give for Christ. These are one of the non-negotiables. These are the ones without exception. As I truly follow Him, I give for Him. As I truly live for Him, I give for Him. Another way to look at it, as I follow Jesus Christ, it's amazing when we come to Christ, can I look up here for a second, when you, when you come to Christ and you're amazed by salvation and you, the glories of the cross and the resurrection from the dead and you're so filled with joy, but what happens is as we walk this walk in Jesus Christ, what should be happening is as we walk, we should actually be getting smaller. As we follow him, and my knees start to hurt right now because I'm getting old, you know, so but as we keep following him, we should actually begin to disappear altogether. Because that's the supernatural process of following and of loving the Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes more and we start to shrink to the glory of God. And ironically, we get so much joy as we become less. Are you following Christ? If you're truly following Christ, you're going to start to be seen less and less. And Jesus Christ will start to see be seen more and more through our lives. So that's why then the 5G life must include give time. How could it not? I must give of myself, again, for the glory of God and within his church. As Christ fills me, he flows through me. John 7, verse 38, Jesus said this. This is so good, ready? 
Listen for the input, and then listen for the output. Jesus said, if anyone believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now just think about that, okay? The input is Christ in us. The output is Christ through us. So one of the ways that you know you're growing in Jesus Christ is you are becoming a spiritual water dispenser. Think about that. Wherever you go in Christ, he fills you, and you're like, want to drink, want to drink, want to drink? Spiritually speaking, you start to refresh others because Christ is using you to do that. That is awesome. We are spiritual water dispensers because if I believe in Christ, rivers of living water, rivers will flow through them. Input Christ, output grace and blessing and joy to other people around me. It's a great, it's a great little part just to think about and just say, okay, how is your life right now as a water dispenser for Jesus Christ? Would you be someone who mostly just sucks people dry and just, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty, and just, you know, draining people? Or are you someone that Christ is using that you give? That the natural part of who you are is giving. As I look out in some of you right now, I know you well enough, then you are, you are dispensers. I come alongside of you and I just get blessed and I get drenched with the living waters of the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be because we follow Christ, we give for the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's our slide. We have two more G's to go in this fundamental series for our lives. Our goal is to follow Christ. Are you following Christ? Abide, connect, share. I hope you have this memorized by now, right? I hope you do, hope you do, hope you do. Some of you are here for the first time. What is this? This is everything to us right now. This is everything. I believe if I follow Christ, I must abide. I must connect. I must share. No exceptions. How do I abide? God time. How do I connect? Gather group time. And now, how do I share? The first part of sharing is give time now. If I'm truly following Jesus Christ, I share my life with others because that's God's design for me. Lord, help us to be spiritual water dispensers for you as we start to get into give time. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, this is our fundamental text on give time on give time. There's many, many passages we could turn to for this, but this is the one that we're going to camp in right now and then apply, and I pray greatly encourage us as we seek to truly follow Christ to give and live for him. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. I will confess, this is one of my favorite passages. So, we'll see how far up we get, but it's a good one. It's a good one, all right? Verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, fall asleep. No, 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 no. No, no, just seeing if you're asleep, all right? Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Awesome. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Some of you are like, that's where that verse is. I know, it's amazing. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. That's one of the key phrases in this whole text. Of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength, awesome, that God supplies. Notice this. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen, church? But we're not done. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I just want to take a moment to pray. 
Be glorified right now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Be glorified in this church right now. Would you massively, supernaturally encourage the members of this church, the people who call this church their home, to be givers, to desire to give, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Convince us, encourage us, motivate us, and may the momentum for lives giving of themselves, dispensing grace, that we have received from Christ. Oh, may it be so fresh, so real, so true right now in this place. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now is the time for give time. Now is the time for give time. And why again? Well, look at verse 7. Verse 7 answers that. The end of all things is at hand. Now, does that get your attention? That gets my attention, man. But notice, this isn't a statement of doom and gloom from Peter. Rather, this is a statement of urgency. This is a statement of preparation. It's not a statement necessarily about termination or cessation. Rather, it's a statement of fulfillment or consummation. Notice the phrase, um, at hand. The end of all things is at hand. At hand means it's approaching. It's coming. Get ready. Be prepared. Keep your eyes open. The end of all things as at hand is a wonderful statement of expectancy. I love that word, expectancy. That's a word that the true follower of Christ should be using often, how believers are to be expected, but expectant for what? The end of all things. And what is the end of all things? It is the return of Jesus Christ. Anyone excited? Anyone excited? Amen. Amen. And he is, amen, amen. He is coming soon. Now watch out, loved ones, right in this first verse there. Can you see it? Loved ones, can you hear it? Here it comes again. Here he comes again. You're like, here comes what? Here comes who? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit have arrived again with the same message. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit, they are knocking on the doors of our hearts and our minds again, and they have something to say. You're like, what's the message? It's this, it's this. For the believer in Jesus Christ, there's no time to waste. For the believer in Jesus Christ, the urgency is upon us again. What? The end of all things is at hand. Jesus is waiting at the door of heaven to return. I mean, in some ways, this is true. Jesus is like, now, Father? Now, now, Father? Not yet, son. Not yet. I mean, are you like me? Like, you just look around at our world right now. Look at how, I mean, just think of the founding of the nation of Canada or the United States. Could that ever happen again, that a, a nation would be a land that is not established in the way, and then it comes here, and here we are a couple hundred years later, and all that's happening in the global nature of our world, and the nature of technology, and just how the, the rise of evil and darkness and everything, it's like, there's really nowhere else to discover now. It's like, the world has kind of, you know, figured it out as far as how to saturate this planet, and now it's about Jesus Christ and the gospel getting there, but just look around, and you say, man, just doesn't it just, it looks like, it looks like we're getting pretty close. You know, like it just looks like there's not a lot to live for other than Jesus Christ. And the Bible's telling us again, again, yet another text. I try to tell, I, I try to tell you all the time, man, all the time. Like, look what he's saying. Look what the Bible's saying. Look what the Bible's saying. Over and over and over again. Don't live for the world. Don't live for yourself. 
Don't live for that which moth and rust destroy. Live for Jesus Christ. Why, why? Because the end of all things is at hand. So therefore, loved ones, make the best use of your time because one day soon, now Father, now Jesus says, the Father's like, yep, go. Opens the door, rides on the horse. Wow, and what a day that's going to be. How exciting, how awesome. It's coming soon. The Bible's telling us it's coming soon. The Holy Spirit is speaking. So what time is it right now then? Well, it's give time because it's also it's wisdom time. Wisdom is calling out. She's looking for your mind and heart to understand. Live with urgency for what matters. Now, the question is, okay, how do I do this? How do I live with urgency? Two words, ready? You give. You give. I give. We give. You give. Giving. Giving is the product of urgency. I give of myself for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the thread I want us to see through our text today. In one way or another, all of our text is surrounding the giving of self for the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get started. Ready? Here comes give time. To live for him is to give for him. To live for him is to give for him. Are we giving ourselves to the Lord in the reality of our life? Let's find out. Number one is this. Number one is this, I will give myself to prayer. I will give myself to prayer. Some of you were like, I wasn't anticipating that point. I know, but let's let the word of God speak, not us. Look at verse seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So notice the first implication of time is short is pray. Love it. Love it. The first action of urgency in our lives of giving of ourselves is pray for the sake of your prayers. That's fascinating to me. Remember this? I think Oswald Sanders says, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Remember that? Remember, that's so good. And we're seeing that right here. The end of all things is at hand. Get busy, get busy, get busy. Well, he's like, well, get busy with prayer. Be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, the words, see the phrases, verbs, self-controlled, sober-minded, they are virtually synonymous. Um, they can be taken together. Peter is exhorting his readers to be mentally and spiritually alert. Drink your spiritual coffee, he's saying, right? Make sure you're awake. Uh, in more depth, it means to keep one's mind safe, uh, to be in one's right mind, uh, having your mind under control. Further, it means to be spiritually observant. Um, you're, you're aware of spiritual importance and reality. Again, these commands are everywhere in the New Testament. Let me just, let me just read you one. I'll, I'll, I'll turn there. You can write it down and, and maybe go back later. Let me just read you one. These, these commands are everywhere, loved ones. I mean, this is when we get to the end, we won't have an excuse. We won't have an excuse. God's like, I told you a hundred times. A hundred times. A hundred different ways in the word. First Thessalonians 5. I'll read it for you. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Listen. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, return of Christ, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security happening all over our world, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, a woman and they will not escape. 
Notice here, verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. And here's the implication. He says this, Paul says, so then let us not sleep. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand. Now, why is this so prevalent? Why are these commands said over and over again in the New Testament? Here's why. Because the Holy Spirit knows that Satan will do anything to rock us to sleep with the lullaby of false truths or distractions. You know, Satan, he comes up beside us and he gets us in his cradle and he's singing the lullaby of the love of money. And he gets us in the cradle of the world and he sings the lullaby of comfort and the lullaby of uh, leisure and the lullaby of entertainment. And see, Satan will do anything to put us to sleep as opposed to living with urgency for Jesus Christ. So what Satan tries to do is all the time. He gets us in the, in the cradle and he's like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep so I can ruin your whole life forever. <laughs> right? But that's what he, but notice here, notice though, it's soothing. Go to sleep. You're like, yeah, this is nice. I love living my life for material items. Oh, I love pursuing money. And oh, it's good. And I'm going to fall asleep. I want to go on another, another vacation of leisure and go to sleep. Go to sleep because you're not living for Jesus Christ. I don't care what you do. Just go to sleep. And then you're ineffective for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is happening all around us every single day. Wake up, wake up, wake up, the Bible says over and over and over. Don't fall victim to the lullabies of the devil. How many of us right now, man, we're just on the verge of like, we got the sucking on the soother of, of the world and we're just about to nod off. And the Lord comes in and says, wait, wait, the end of all things is at hand. Wake up, be self You're like, what, 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 what? That's good, that's good right now. If you're like, who woke me up? The Lord did, because he wants to use you, that you would not waste your life for nothing while you have time. So that's why our text says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. For the sake of your prayers. I love that so much. Why, why, why? Because the more, listen to this, okay? This is great truth. The more we are awakened to our spiritual reality, then the more we are aware of our spiritual dependence, okay? With sober-mindedness comes alertness, comes the reality, I see I must pray because I must depend upon the Lord. The church that doesn't pray is the church that's asleep because it's the church that doesn't recognize apart from Christ you can do nothing. So therefore, they don't think they really need the Lord, so they're falling asleep and they fail to pray. Wake up, wake up, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. So Satan desires to destroy us, but here's what we also know. He can do just as well by distracting us. Our friend Daniel Henderson, he says this, he says this, the devil does not have to destroy a Christian, he only has to distract him. Because once we get distracted, really it's, you know, he's really good with that. What are you distracted by right now that is causing you to not be self-controlled and not be sober-minded? Let me just say this, man. I have these temptations dozens of times every single day I live. 
Every, every, every week I live constantly under the evaluation, what is distracting me away from my greatest purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this series is so great for us. Because this series is giving us such clarity as what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ so I can be effective and fruitful for him. You know what's so interesting too, and this is the cleverness of the enemy as well? You know the people that are obsessed with the end times? You know the people that are obsessed with biblical prophecy? Which isn't necessarily bad, but it's all, like, that's all they talk about. All they do, all they want to do. It's amazing to me though, you're obsessed with the reality the end of all things is at hand, and yet you have no prayer life. That's completely missing the point. Right? Like, obsessed with trying to figure everything out, but the point is, is focusing on the reality the end is coming, is that you will pray because you're so needy of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so What is it? It's a heart issue. So you can have all the knowledge in the world about the end times, but it hasn't translated to your heart to understand we're praying because we just have this expectancy of the Lord and we want to be used by Him. It's amazing, eh? The enemy will distract us even with passion for theology, but we miss the main point of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Fascinating. Here's what I want you to know too, okay? When it comes to prayer and the 5G life, look at this slide here, okay? When it comes to prayer and the 5G life, it's everywhere. It's in God time, gather time, group time, of course, give time, and go time. Maybe you don't just take prayer in one, you know, I pray when I meet the Lord. Yes, you do, of course you do, but it's everywhere. Just slap it on over the place. Prayer's all over the bullseye, man. Prayer's in abiding, connecting, sharing, and all the five Gs. Prayer's everywhere. It applies to every single situation. That's why we hold up prayer so much. I'm looking forward already to our next churchwide prayer meeting third Wednesday of November. We're going to have special guests with us in that prayer meeting, and it's going to be fantastic. And I pray that you will desire to know the end of all things is at hand. So let's be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of our prayer. I give myself in this way. Number two, number two. Um, I will give myself with love. I will give myself with love now. So look at verse 8 and 9. To live for him is to give for him. Verse 8 says... Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, it's hard not to notice the above all part in verse 8. Um, it reminds us of 1 Corinthians 13. I did a wedding today. I just came from a wedding. And so you're just doing that kind of you know, lovey feel, whatever, and just the beauty of marriage. But of course, the greatest of these is... Love, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 8, though, keep loving one another earnestly above all. Now, the word earnest is a picture of someone who's stretched out, uh, someone who's um, intensely straining. Uh, it was a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. So once again here, we see that real love, loved ones, give time, sacrificial giving of self. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's painful at times. It strains us. It's essential, though. Isn't it so true? Again, again, to live for him is to give for him. As you give, it always has to come at a cost. If, if you're truly going to follow Christ and give for him, it has to come at a cost to you. And that's why our flesh doesn't like it, because we want to receive. We don't want to give. But if we follow Christ, the Holy Spirit in us says, no, no, no. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Can you point right now to a love in your life that is stretching you, straining you? Can you point to an example this past week where you have loved someone and it has strained you to do so? I'm not talking about people easy to love. Has there been an example of love in your life this past week that has caused you to go beyond the norm? That's what we're talking about. 
There's an earnest desire to strain ourselves in love for others. And this is the love, loved ones. Notice in verse 8, this is the love that covers a multitude of sins. This is the believing in Christ out of his heart will full rivers of living water. We now are water dispensers for Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways we do that is sending a love, giving a love that covers multitude of sins. Notice, first of all, this doesn't mean that this love condones the sin. It doesn't mean that the person is not responsible for the sin against us, but rather it's agape love, and agape love is so powerful. What this means is, I love this person in such a way, then rather than bringing it up over and over again, the sin that they have committed against me, I cover that sin with grace. Because this is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me as well. How do you know if you're lacking love? If you're lacking love, whenever you're around someone that you really have a hard time with, you're so suspicious of everything they say. Basically, they can't say anything that will, you'll find good in your mind. Doesn't matter what they say, you'll twist it, you're so suspicious, every word is weighted and evaluated, and you just don't trust them. And when Corinthians says, love believes all things, you're the opposite of that. A lack of earnest love is suspicious in everything that is spoken of everything, that every motive judged. Is there some of that lack of love in, in your life? I have some people in my life that, you know, I guess as a pastor, this is just what inevitably happens, but there's some people that I'm convinced they just want me to fail. Like, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter what I say, it's just, they're just, whatever reason, they just, they're just, they just want me to fail. But the more important question I should have for myself is, am I like that? Am I like that with other people? Because I can't really change them, but I can change me. And to be a person who loves with such a grace that it covers a multitude of sins. Remember this too, love. Remember, remember, you know what it's like to be loved by a person you expect to maybe treat you with hatred or with unkindness. And when that person that you think is your enemy comes up to you and loves you, you're almost like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. And you're like, that really felt really good. And then all of a sudden your guard goes down. All of a sudden you're just like, it's very hard to resist love. Remember how that feels to you? That's who you can be to other people. You and the person thinks you're going to come up and just be so antagonistic, so difficult, so attacking, and you actually pour grace upon that situation. Wow. That is Christ within our, that's give, that's giving of the Lord. To live for him is to give for him. How do I know if I'm truly forgiving someone with the love when they've offended me? Three main ways. I don't bring it up to the other person. I don't bring it up to others. I don't bring it up to myself. That's how I know when I'm operating with a love that God is in the midst of. Follow Christ, forgive others. Love covers a multitude of sins. Question, who is God calling you to give grace to today? Most of us have a person in mind right now, or maybe several. Who is God calling you to give grace to because you want to follow Christ and love like Christ and love covers a multitude of sins. Who in your life right now could you be used to pour grace? Family member, friend, coworker, whoever, someone right here in this room right now? How exciting that would be, how beautiful that would be. And notice this is a love here. Look at verse 9. This is a love that shows hospitality. The text says, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's so interesting. Eh? So in Peter's day, first century, 
um, lodging could barely be afforded by believers. So it was almost essential for people to be able to stay somewhere. But this, of course, is a call in general that our lives and our homes should be open with loving hospitality. But do you notice in verse 9 that the Holy Spirit anticipates there's going to be an attitude check here? Isn't it interesting? Show hospitality and rejoice. No. Show hospitality and without grumbling. So what does that tell us? There's a natural resistance in us to give. There's a natural resistance in us to be selfless because our flesh wants it to be about us. And so right here in the text, it's so interesting. Give hospitality, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as we read without grumbling, some of us grumble inside. We're like, oh, why does the Bible have to say without grumbling? (laughs) Right? And we're upset because we're being called on the fact that we don't really want to show hospitality. So the Holy Spirit says, I know you don't. So I'm going to point out the fact that you don't want to do it so that love and the, and the example of Christ fills us, that living water flows through us so we can be water dispensers for Jesus Christ and show hospitality even without grumbling. Amazing. See what's happening here? Heart issue. It's a heart issue. I'll, I'll force myself to show I'll force myself to show hospitality. Well, it'll last a couple of seconds. But when the heart is transformed and you believe it's more blessed to give than receive, then all of a sudden a supernatural thing takes place. And when this church is functioning in that way, look out, man, to live for him is to give for him. Where do I start with hospitality? Well, start by being hospitable at church. Coming to church, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, coming to church every week with one goal of loving one person and showing hospitality to them in some form, in some way. Make it about them. Don't make it about us. Be hospitable at home. Invite someone you don't know to your home. Make a goal once a month, twice a month, engaging with people from your spiritual community of Christ Center, the body of Christ, the family of God. Make it a goal once a month, twice a month. Seek to do that. Be hospitable in heart. Here's what we know. Not all of us are there right now. Not all of us are excited. We're grumbling about verse 9. And yet, ask the Lord to change our hearts exercise our hearts, step out in faith, pursue and believe that give time is so powerful for the Lord. And notice, notice really the 5G life right here to the root of this in verses, you know, seven through nine right now, the root of this is love. Above all love, I want to earnestly, and from that love comes hospitality. It's all based on love. Our giving flows from our love. So, so uh, to live for him is to give for him. I give myself to prayer. I give myself to love. Number three, this. Um, I will steward now God's grace. I will steward God's grace through my life. This is the practical heart of our message today. This is the part we're going to emphasize kind of the most as it gets practical when, within the 5G life. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So, um, are you a Christ follower today? Let's just take a survey. Who's a Christ follower here today? Who's a Christ follower? Awesome, a lot of you, okay? That's so good. Okay, now listen. If you are a Christ follower, I want you to see four very important truths for you today. They'll be on the screen here beside me. 
uh, right here from verses 10 and the first half of verse 11. The first one is this, okay? Every believer has at least one gift. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you must know at conversion, the Holy Spirit has given to you at least one spiritual gift. We are to discover what it is or what they are. Now, these gifts are not natural gifts. They are actually supernatural gifts. How do we discover our gifts? By serving. We start to serve. To sit on the sidelines and wait. Hmm, what is it? What is it? Hmm, I'll wait here longer. Hmm, what is it? I don't know. I'm going to wait until I... No, that doesn't work. Start somewhere. Start small. Start serving. Find out what your gift is. And people come around you and say, you know what? When you were with those people right there and you were engaging with them, you're such an encourager. I think you have the gift of exhortation. I just saw it. You were instructing those people there and you came alongside and that person was hurting. I just noticed, man, you had such mercy for them. I think you have the spiritual gift of mercy. When you were uh, um, instructing in that moment there and you kind of took God's word and just did a little bit of a, a time, I really noticed, and you were very effective as you were communicating that simple truth and the people were listening. I just, wow, I really think that God's doing a thing of teaching in you. But if you never serve, you'll never know. You gotta start somewhere. I wonder how many of you right now are serving the Lord Jesus Christ in this place or somewhere. All of us have to be serving because we have a gift that can't lay dormant it's a gift to be exercised and used for the glory of God. Hear it again, loved ones. Ready? Start serving somewhere, even the smallest place. Begin to serve. And what a, what a, the highest honor is reserved for the lowest duty, all over Scripture. Love that too. And the joy that is found in exercising your gift for the Lord. God always brings joy. Yeah, there's tough times, whatever, but in the end, the joy of communicating, of being used for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. Amazing how many people are so grumpy who sit back and do nothing but complain. Well, there's no secret. The reason they're so grumpy is because they're not engaged in God's will by giving of self. You know this too? Isn't it so easy to sit back and point up and just criticize? It's so easy to criticize so easy to point at leaders and just be like, well, they always do it differently that way, man. I would do it. Yeah, you try. You try for a few moments. You see how it is, man. It's tough. So easy to sit back and just complain and criticize and critique and, and, and be grumbled. What about, what, what about jumping in the game and being part of the solution? No, I'm not. That's, there's no one I'm talking to here right now about that, okay? That's just not at all. Not at all. Like, there's no, I'm not trying to send any message to anyone. I promise you that. But I just know from 12, 15, you know, 20 years of Christian leadership on some level, it's so easy to sit back and point and say, you stink. But it's following Christ that jumps in the game and says, man, I want to be used for the Lord to serve that I might have joy. Second one you see there, our gifts are to be used to serve one another. So notice in the text there, it says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another. So ready? Look here, look here. We are not terminals of God's grace. We don't hoard it. We are channels. Again, out of his heart will flow. Not, not in his heart will stay. No, no. We receive and flow. It flows through us. How is God's grace being channeled through your life right now? How is God's grace being channeled through your life through the gift that he has entrusted you with? 
How are you being used to give because you say that you genuinely follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Notice this. The spiritual gift is always used to build up the church, never to promote self. Always used to build up the church. I've always said, man, if I wasn't um, preaching, I'd be in the parking lot for sure. I just want to be there, man. I have a mindset coming in and just pray myself up before people get there. And my personal mission would be when that person gets out of the car, I want to bless them, man. I want to be like, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to make them almost be like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? I'm just parking my car and getting out. But the chance to say, man, be blessed. And then not scare them away. You know what I'm saying? But love them and encourage them in a way they'll just be like, that, that was just kind of strange, but kind of good strange. You know what I mean? And just like the opportunity we have when we say it's not about me. I am here to be used of Christ. Why? Because we're making disciples. It's the 5G life. And the parking lot is just as important as you come in the door and get in here. And what we're doing even now, we're together in this. Right? The eye can't say to the head, I don't need you. We all need one another. That's the whole purpose of the body of Christ. We serve one another. We are called to steward our gifts. This is very, very important. The word steward. I love the concept, biblical concept of stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? It means that you've been entrusted with something that isn't yours. Are you a true follower of Christ? Then God has entrusted you with gifts for you to manage, to steward. It's not yours, loved ones. It's His in you. How are you stewarding that gift? A steward has no wealth of their own. But the steward's responsibility is to distribute as the master sees fit. So we're not spending a lot of time on this at all today, but how you handle God's money in your life is a very strong indicator of what's happening in your heart. Because where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. I have no qualms whatsoever of saying this right now. If you lack generosity for the kingdom of God with the financial means that God has entrusted to you, that's a strong, strong sign your heart is not in a healthy place. God has given you his resources to manage it appropriately for the glory of God. Are you giving to God's kingdom? Are you giving generously to God's kingdom? Are you giving to the point it hurts you? You need to. My wife and I, our family, we give to the kingdom of God, to this church and elsewhere, to the point where we could do a lot of other things. But that's not the point. The point is we want to give cheerfully, sacrificially, and generously because we're stewards of God's grace, including, and often most importantly, the monetary things that he is entrusted with because it's incredible how much Jesus seems to talk about the reality of where you are in this place is the reality of where you are in every place. No, no qualms about saying it whatsoever because it's love. You really take that seriously. You don't want to get to the end and the parable of the menace and you're the person that buried it and took a handkerchief and Jesus is like, what are you doing? At least give it with interest. At least do something with it well, I, uh, you know, I, uh, and then it's too late. We're stewards of God's, notice, varied grace. He gives some this much. He gives others this much. We're not in charge of that. But notice, too, it's, I love the word. See the word grace? It's grace. What cracks me up is the preacher who's preaching. And as he's preaching, he's like, man, I'm preaching good today. 
come, come here, like that, right? Just, what are we talking about? You're preaching. You're not doing anything. There's, there's nothing in you that can boast or take credit for anything good that's happening whatsoever. Man, I was sweet on the welcome team today. Man, I'm, a, I'm an incredible small group leader. No, you're nothing. You're nothing. It's all grace. Grace, 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 grace. If your theology is right, you're just like, I cannot believe I'm being used at all. I cannot believe I get to do this. If your theology is right, that's what happens. It's grace. God gets all the glory. He's given you grace. He wants you to use it for his glory. And the blessing that comes from this, the fourth one we see here, we use our gifts in the strength, in the strength of God. So look at the, the end there, verse 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracle gods. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Two very broad categories here of serving. Um, whoever speaks, what is that? That's not just preacher up here, okay? That's any kind of speech activity. Uh, preaching, teaching, uh, all forms of communication, evangelism, uh, preaching, prophesying, even maybe singing, Bible study, all of that counts. We're all called to do that in some way or another. Whoever serves, notice that category, very broad as well. This includes any kind of helping or encouraging ministry for the benefit of others in the church and those outside the church as well. Whoever serves is one who serves the strength that God supplies. To live for him is to give for him. Uh, one of the reasons some of us here were so weak and tired is because we haven't stepped out in faith to serve by giving of ourselves to access the strength that God supplies for those who do. So if all we do is sit back and be like, me, 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 and God's like, well, you know, I'm not going to give you strength to do something that's just about you, right? So notice here, it's like, and Paul says, but I agonize with all his energy that God powerfully works within me. So it's like, you got to take a step of faith to give of self, to then receive the strength supernaturally that God promises to provide for those who are being used of him. But again, if your motivation and my motivation is just for self-glory, God doesn't empower that. No wonder we wake up groggy. No wonder we wake up and we're all just like, what is going on? No wonder we're so exhausted and tired. No wonder we're just spiritually so blah. Because one of the realities of serving for the Lord and giving of ourselves for the Lord. Yes, we get tired, but then the Lord comes in and gives us a supernatural strength. And then we're like, wow, this is so awesome. You know how many times I've literally, well, it's not literally, but figuratively, I've crawled to the pulpit. I mean, how many times over 12, 13 years? I mean, all the elders know this for sure. And I'm like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you're sitting in the chair before you have to preach, and you're just like, oh, Lord. Oh, but then you, you walk up and all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, God is so kind. And so sometimes when you see tears in my eyes, it's because I'm just experiencing the grace of God and I can't believe how faithful he is. That is awesome. That is the best feeling in the world because you know it's not you. And you're just like, look at the Lord faithful again to those who will walk up and step by faith and choose to serve him at the sacrifice of self for the glory of God. Get in the game, loved ones. Get in the game. It's time to serve, time to give, to live for him is to give for him. So these are the things that we see. These are the truths for every believer. So here are four questions we ask ourselves right now. Here are four questions then relating to give time. I'll just kind of summarize this way. What have you done with the gifts that God has given you right now? What have you done? Is anything being done with the gifts that God has given you? Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. Next question. Who have you helped 
along the way in terms of gifts. Who, who can you look to and say, yeah, God has used me to be a blessing to this person and to this ministry and to this group of people? Who's directly being impacted by your love? Here's a third question. This is a good one. Is our church better and stronger because you are here? See, the 5G life, one of my great prayers, and along with the elders, is that we would eliminate those all they're doing is consuming. Now, by eliminate, I don't mean I want you to like, disappear altogether. What we're saying is, though, we want to make it very, very difficult for the genuine follower of Christ to say, I can just sit here and just receive, 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 and give nothing. Because that's not Christ. It's not following Christ. It's not. That's the whole point of the series. If all of us get active for the Lord through the 5G life, again, I've said this, look out, look out, look out. This place will be on fire, on fire for the Lord. Last question. Are you wasting your gift or are you using it for God's glory? The end of all things is at hand. Self-control shall mind. Say your prayers. Love. Steward of God's grace. Get ready, get ready, get ready. He's going to come back. He's like, what did you do with what I gave you? Lots of, lots of scripture principles talk about the judgment for believers is it wood, hay, stubble? Is it precious gold, silver, precious stones? So I give myself the prayer. I give myself a love. I steward God's grace. And fittingly and beautifully, this is our last point, I will give myself for his glory. I will give myself ultimately at the end of the day for his glory. Look at the end of verse 11. In order that, here's the clause, okay? Here's the clause. So pray, love, urgency, self-control, steward, God's grace, serve, all of that in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So what is give time then? Ready, loved ones? Give time is glory time. Give time is glory time. So one of the realities is if I fail to give myself to the Lord, in some form, in some measure, I am failing to give God glory. I don't think we want that. That's why give time is glory time. Are our lives being used right now for God's glory or self-glory? Loved ones, make the best use of the time. Make, make the best use of the time. The days are evil. Make the best use of the time. I love the poem by C.T. Studd. And that one line he says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's give so that God gets glory. So what do I do? In the lobby right now, there are a whole 5G Life place, and there's so many places you can sign up today uh, to give and to be part of a ministry or to ask questions of what that means. That's right now in the lobby 5G Life section, you go up there, all the little tables are set up and all the signs are there to say, I'm interested in this, I'm interested in that, I'm in interested in here. Again, we move by faith to be used of the Lord that we might give ourselves with the time that we have that Christ receives glory through our lives. So yes, God time, gather time, group time, and yes, give time, essential, as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just pray for us as we're dismissed now. Father, I do pray that you will be using these truths so powerfully within your church. I pray you will bring tremendous encouragement. Lord, my desire is that you will have many people saying right now, yep, yep, it's right, it's right. I want to give my life to the one, to Jesus. I want to give of my time and, and become less that I might find more joy and glory to God. Oh, God, I pray you will convince us in mind 
And now motivate us, Lord, in life to be used for you while we have time, whether here in the church or part of this church that blesses people outside of this church. God, may it be so. May it be so. Help us to believe every part of the body counts just as much as every other part. We pray this and thank you so much for this family, these wonderful people who love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, we're done. You are loved. You are loved. Amen.